2: Welcome back to The Family with Tom Bernard. Tom is out. Filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. Along with me.
3: Catherine Brandt, who finally showed up. (laughs)
2: Andy Brandt-Bernard.
3: And Cassie Schrader.
2: John Tebow is our guest next as we talk about strange laws still on the books. And we'll be talking about his new book, How to Change a Law. We'll do that when we return
0: right here to The Family.
2: Welcome back to the family. I'm Dave Schrader, your host today. John Thibault, our guest. His new book, How to Change a Law. And he's got a special going on today, free on Kindle today. You can get a copy of that book, free on Kindle, How to Change a Law. John Mm -hmm. Tebow, T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T. We'll have a link up for that as well. Thank you for coming on the show today, John.
5: Yeah, I appreciate it. Are you asking me at the last minute like this? Well, I guess it all worked, I guess it all worked out. That
2: was very passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah, are you related to my yeah, wife? Yeah. Are you from Minnesota? <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, I you know I, I made a mistake. I actually signed into Safari, and it said the uh, it wasn't supported, so I had to switch quickly a moment ago to um, Chrome. So uh-huh. I'm in.
0: Ah, good.
2: Yeah. Well, yes, we're glad Safari's we got gotcha. you. Safari's going downhill. Yeah, Safari's weird. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, you know, I want to talk about this. Obviously, let's talk about your new book, and then we'll get into some of the weird laws around the, uh, the United States. How to change a law. Talk to us a little bit about this. And, and uh, you know, I, I've always felt just as Joe Citizen, I really haven't had the power to, to involve myself in doing these things. How easy is it to actually make a change?
5: Yeah, in one sense, after I've talked to a lot of people, I think it's becoming increasingly hard. Um, Definitely at the federal level, it's a long, complicated process. At the state level, it's a little easier. At the city level, certainly you can move things forward a bit more. And with your homeowners association, you probably have a little more clout. Hmm. So it takes some time.
2: Now, with this, you know, you listen to these new laws that are being written in, and, you know, usually the laws that I hear about have something to do with weapons, uh, missing children, uh, you know, abused spouses, Those seem to be the ones that are pushed to the foreground that are talked about so uh, openly in the news and and things like that. But when it comes to actually getting involved, getting behind these, from the moment you kind of put your sights on helping to change a law or make some much needed uh, alterations to the time that it actually gets passed, how long are we talking usually in a case like that?
5: Yeah, again, at the federal level, it can be years. And I know of a couple of personal cases where that is going on. And they seem to be pretty uh, critical. But with what Congress is dealing with, you know, they're looking at lots of big issues and international issues and everything else. And so if there's a small group who comes forward with a specific issue, you kind of get pushed down to the bottom. So that that's the disappointing part of all of this. And what, quickly, I wanted to just mention that what got me into this was um, years ago, I worked in government affairs. And so I saw the other side of how laws do get passed and how companies, corporations and trade associations actually make things happen. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if the average person understood how that all worked? Um, and it was less opaque. So that's what prompted me to write the book and sort of reveal this information about how people can actually be empowered to make change.
2: Now, how easy of a, a job was that? Because when you've got something that's so muddied uh, in legal jargon and, and politics, to then think, well, I, you know, we got to make this more understandable. The, the concept is nice. How hard is it in the actual realization of taking something so convoluted and boiling it down to something that we, the people, can understand?
5: Yeah, I think... It- You know, you need to have the discipline to do it, obviously. And, you know, it isn't like as though you just say, hey, (laughs) I'm going to change the law. It's going to be an easy thing. Some of them are. The simpler they are, the more focused they are, and the bigger or wider support you have, the chances of making that happen um, really will help you along. And I think one of the things that people do is, they're not clear on the, what their issue is and it's all muddied or they don't know how to talk to the politicians or they're speaking to the wrong person anyway. Um, so they get lost in the process and that's why, uh, you know, corporations and again, trade associations use professional lobbyists for this.
2: So they've got the money, the time yeah. and the wherewithal to put behind it to, to get recognized. Uh, Right. I mean, we, we hear a lot about lobbyists and what power is really wielded and, and that, you know, the little little person is very rarely heard from. Do you feel that that's still a major effect uh, in government across the board or has that lightened up considerably? Are we seeing a swing where, you know, the, the individual is starting to have more of a voice?
5: Yeah, I think individuals have a voice. They know what they want. We keep hearing that the uh You know, the silent American who doesn't say anything really has a uh, attack on what they want to get done. But then again, they get stuck in the process. And when I when I mention that, it's in one sense, it's very complicated. So when I worked in government affairs, this was at Universal Studios years ago, um, we worked with attorneys, lobbyists, the executives, the entire entertainment industry. And you bring all these people together to make something happen. The difference is when an individual now, what we're told is, just go write a letter to your congressperson, and I'm sure that'll change. And it's frustrating because they get 10,000 pieces of email or mail a month, and with a staff of three or four, they just don't have the time to address individual issues. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I'm Like I said, watching things as they pop up and, and how these things are coming through, do you need um, a... a- large groundswell of support from constituents and and from, you know, the public to get these possible alterations and changes? Or can it just be done by you having the voice and and the wherewithal to to kind of lay out the law or the changes and why they should be put in?
5: Yeah, my, my initial view of this was that people would come together around specific issues, be able to find one another, and then be able to move forward and address it. And sometimes very small coalitions can actually make change, and that has happened. Um, if I go back quite a ways now, Mothers Against Drunk Driving is a great example, where a singular woman who had a passionate issue because her uh, child was killed by a drunk motorist in the 80s, She got together and was persistent and wouldn't give up. And finally, you know, it moved up to the federal level and then the state level and it became very complicated. But she was doing this pre-internet and was actually able to change the laws regarding um, blood alcohol content. And then obviously all the states adopted that. And we have that today. But that was a long, hard push for her to get there.
2: The book, again, How to Change a Law, our guest helped to boil this down to make it understandable, give you the chance to review how this is done, why it's done, what can you do to be an integral part of this. Uh, He has a uh, a link up. It's free on Kindle today. So if you go take care of it today and pick it up, you'll get a free copy on Kindle. Um, you You said you worked in government affairs for Universal Studios. What does that mean, John?
5: Yeah. Again, this is something that most people don't know. We think of companies, well, they have a PR department, a marketing department, engineering. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, all the Fortune 500 companies have government relations or government affairs offices. And so these are individuals who come out of political science or whatever background. And again, they work with the – which is what we did too. We work with the politicians um, at every level of government and Mm -hmm. basically – advocated for the things that we wanted to get done. In the case of the entertainment industry, it was issues regarding piracy of films and videotapes at the time uh, and, you know, trade with China, all kinds of things. And so there are multiple issues that you're always moving forward with. And then you're finding the right politician who's sitting on the right committee to be able to move that forward. And again, a lot of this is kind of colloquial. In other words, you don't have to actually draft the law. You're just expressing your interest in how you want to get something done and then ultimately when the politician comes in they will assist in drafting the language to make that work and I have an example of that which is current that I can mention to you too
2: please go ahead
5: yeah there's a um, really persistent 86 year old gentleman in San Jose California and uh, he was incensed that he discovered what basically he thought it was a cover up by the government Um, and apparently like we had with the Japanese who were interned during the Second World War, a similar thing happened to the Italian community. And so there was a curfew. They couldn't have radios. They, uh boats were seized. There were so many restrictions on what they could do, and they were American citizens. So it wasn't until 2010 that the it um, came out that this had been going on. And he appealed to, at the time, Senator Joe Semidian in California, and said, hey, look, we want an apology. This is terrible what you did, et cetera. And the state of California apologized, formally apologized to him. And he said, you know, I wonder if we can do this at the federal level. So he's pursued this now for years. And he went forward and he got uh, Congresswoman Zoe Lofkin from San Jose, and she sponsored two bills, which were in the past Congress, and then they re-upped them, and they're in the current Congress as well, one of them has to do with the education of the abuse that the Italian-American community suffered back then, and the other is a uh, – so they get an apology. And the second part of it, <clears throat> the other bill, was to um, get a certain amount of money, not that much, I think 3 or $4 million. And uh, the, the good thing is he's unbelievably persistent, um, actually got the bills into Congress – uh, had only written up, you know, two or three hundred words that he presented to her and her staff. And um, they're moving forward with that. So it's currently in committee in two different committees, the judiciary and uh, I believe, health and education.
2: Big changes. I mean, getting something done like that, you know, these after the fact, those seem like no brainers. Let's just do the right thing. Issue an apology, you know, three million dollars is nothing right yeah. in, in, in yeah. today's market. So putting that out there just to placate and, and do this, why does it seem to be that it, it takes so long to get these things done when, you know, understanding where we've been, what we've done as a society and a government built on the backs of, of indigenous people and slave labor. And yeah. we, we want to make the world, right. We're going to take down statues, but we're not going to just, you know, make the apologies you know, make some reparations. What do you think is, is the holdoff in all of that?
5: I think it's a, it's a matter of attention. Um, and again, if you come <clears throat> and look at the number of bills that, and again, I'll use the federal level because it's more transparent. There's more data available. Federal level, every session of Congress has around 10,000 bills. And they only pass around 3%. So they pass maybe three, 350 bills um, of the 10,000. So if you think of that, each committee and each member of Congress is looking at dozens and dozens of different issues all the time, and they're being cajoled by their colleagues and other members to say, hey, join me, be a co-sponsor of this bill, help me get something done. Um, One of the things I think most people don't realize is if you are lucky enough to get to the point where you have a meeting with a member of Congress, that meeting is maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and they want you to be in there, succinct, deliver your message. You know Why is it important? Who are you trying to affect? What are you trying to get done? How far along are you? And what's your ask? What do you want? You know, Do you want me to vote for the bill? Do you want me to, what do you want to get done here? Um, and often people don't realize that. And again, if I go back to the professional government affairs person or the lobbyist, I've been in those kinds of meetings where you end up presenting and it, it really is a very tight, focused thing. And they're doing 20 or 30 of these meetings a day. So by the end of the day, they might not even remember who you
2: were. Jeez. It really feels like you're just running uphill, carrying a boulder on your back to try to get these things done.
5: We live in a big old ant pile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yeah. What so a- that's that's one of the reasons that I've you know when we talk about simplifying this, mm-hmm. I'm taking something that's really complicated and people don't know about, and saying, can we make it more available to people? And if if they were aware of it, would they do something? And there's two things I've discovered. One is that people are very passionate about it. They want to get something done. They have specific issues that they think are really important, which is you know very typical, and we all do. Um, but when it comes to taking action. They, you know, may sit back and be kind of a an armchair activist like, mm-hmm. well, somebody somebody else will do it. Let him do it. Let her do it, you know, because um, it takes. I mean, again, we're, we're busy people. We've got jobs, kids, family, other obligations. So it's hard to take that on full time. And in a sense, unless you start pulling a lot of people together around a singular issue, um, it's hard to move it forward. And that's part of the focus of what I talk about.
2: Well, obviously, you know, part of the the fun of of talking to you as well was talking about the strange laws that are still on the books. And when you look at some of these laws, it makes me scratch my head as to how the hell did this become a law? How did this – somebody sat down and came up in Gainesville, Georgia, with the idea that eating fried chicken with a fork is illegal. And it got through, and it got passed. How is that possible, John?
5: (laughs) Well, you know – a lot of these old laws, and they're all over the place, and they're very weird, is um, they happened during a time unrelated to what we're doing now. So right. This wasn't passed last year. This was probably passed fifty or a hundred years ago. Right. Um, there's one that I think of. Uh, I'm in California, so we lived in L.A. years ago, and I ran across this one that said, "If men go to the beach," this is not the exact wording, but if men go to the beach. And you wear a bathing suit that doesn't go below your knees, you can be ticketed. <laughs> so, yes. and, and so that happens every day, right? All right, these people sure. are the heat, just wearing regular clothes. But that happened back in the twenties. And again, it's an interesting thing that these laws get codified, they sit there, and nobody looks at them again. But if some somebody, some officer this could be a game show or something, but if some officer went and said, <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna find these people and I'm gonna be really diligent. And he looks around for all the people eating fried chicken with their hands or their <laughs> fork, right? Yeah, putting their clothesline, uh clothes on a clothesline. You know, they they could say, Hey, I'm sorry, that law is still on the books and I'm gonna enforce it. Hmm.
2: I did, uh, we were in Vegas a few years back and we went out to dinner and I love ribs. And I ordered ribs at this restaurant and a nice fancy place. They bring out the ribs are just slathered in sauce. So I grab a fork and a knife and I start, you know, parceling the meat away from the bone. And uh, the the waiter walks up to me and he goes, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? And he goes, "Uh, you're using a fork and knife on the ribs. And I'm like, yeah, they're really saucy. I don't want to get all over my hands and shirt. I'm just, you know, trying to keep clean because we're going to go back out. We've got a a show. And a few minutes later, the chef comes up, (laughs) and he's, like, offended. Uh, why are you using a fork and knife on my ribs? I'm like, uh, these are just they're very they're very tasty. They're just very sloppy and I'm as you see I'm dressed up to go out to dinner tonight and go out to a show and I didn't want to, you know, take the chance of dropping the bone or anything. And the two of them just stared at me like like I was speaking Swahili and and threatening their children. And they shook their heads and walked away in disgust. And I was like, "This is why laws like this can't be on the book anymore, John. Because I don't need to go to jail in Vegas for eating my ribs with a knife and a fork."
5: Right, right, right. They could, they could have called the local police. <laughs> <That's>
2: so weird. <laughs> how obscene! Well, how hard is it to get laws off the books if you've got laws like this in Mississippi? Public swearing will get you thirty days in the slammer. Obviously, yeah. an outdated. Uh, you know concept now but why are they still there and can they truly be enforced
5: i think they can you know i mean this is hysterical when you think that we have so many laws that are not being enforced right right? at the executive level um so you think well who would who would do that but if you have some gung-ho person who goes and tracks these weird laws they could come back and say, hey, here's a ticket or you're fined or you're going to spend a night in jail. I think it would be a great project for college students to just tackle some of these and go back and pick their community, you know, because often we say, um, I think it was Tip O'Neill who said that uh, all politics is local, that you go back to your community and you look at some of the ones that are important enough to get off the books and play with it because it's kind of fun. And it would also get media attention. Um, it, it the other thing I wanted to mention about that is that most of these are negative, right? right. They are "thou shalt not" right. law, right? right? You may not wear long pants on the beach, you know, or short short pants on the beach. You have to wear long pants. You cannot use a fork to eat your ribs, et cetera. So right. they're all negative, you know. But that's that's how laws are. So they're you know. That
2: reminds me. Weird. There was an old okay. father Guido Sarducci bit where he was talking about Moses and he's like, you know there were a lot more uh, a lot more than the Ten Commandments and you know Moses comes down with the mount from the mountaintop with the commandments in his hands and he walks down and they're praying to the golden calves and he gets so frustrated he throws the tablets and they break and the only ones that he could remember were the don't do this a don't do that mm-hmm. right and he's he's going through the thing he goes but there's other uh, you know commandments like a, a whistle a while you work disney stole that from him <laughs> i love the fact that even in the the comedy world you can realize the uh, the the strangeness of uh You know, what's considered a law, what's considered more of like um, a gentle uh, or persuasive push to do something that uh, they considered was was better suited for that area in that era.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it it is fascinating. And again, when you tackle this, I think it again, it can become a little bit overwhelming because there's so many. So I think what happens is people focus on the issues that are most important to them. And if the issues are some that are in the past, then, um, you know, again, if people come together and say, look, let's let's really focus on this and get this one done and have a small win, that's a great step. Because once you go through the process one time, then you say, huh, I'm going to take on something a little more challenging, a little bigger. I'm going to work with a larger uh, group of people. And again, the point is to figure out, well, the three things that I say are to clarify your issue build a coalition and then appeal to a higher authority, the ABCs of getting stuff done. And I've tried to boil it down. So it's so simple that you could actually do that.
2: Very cool. How to Change a Law. The book is out and available. We have a link for it free on Kindle today. So make sure you go get a copy of that. John, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Appreciate it, Dean. Thanks so much.
2: We appreciate it. Stay tuned. We've got more to discuss. Plus, we'll talk about some of the dumb laws on the books here in Minnesota when we return to the family.
0: is expensive enough. It's Tom again for my friends at Profile. I've been telling you for months how easy and effective my profile journey has been. I've lost over a hundred pounds and I'm keeping it off, all thanks to my profile coach, Haley. She really cares about my progress and is doing an amazing job helping me maintain my weight loss. Profile's customized plan will get you to your goal. They're with you every step of the way, giving you encouragement and keeping you on track. I know you've tried other weight loss programs, but Profile is different. Trust me, it worked for me, and it will work for you, too. Join Profile this month and take advantage of their buy three, get three deal. Pay for three months of health coaching and get three months absolutely free. Profile has six metro locations, as well as Weight Park, Mankato, and Rochester. Visit ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities today to set up a free consultation. That's ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities.
2: Welcome back to the family. I'm Dave Schrader. Catherine, you were interested in studying law at one point?
3: Yeah, I, I did a little pre-law stint.
2: How, do, how long did that? Not long. No? <laughs> what, what was the I big took, deterrent I for like,
3: you? I, I don't know. I took some... I took some basic law classes and they were like so boring yeah <laughs> yes. I couldn't I was like I can't do this for eight million years I just can't do it yeah anyway so I just didn't and I, and I also worked as a as a uh, receptionist at a divorce attorney's office and the way that people behaved right. I just couldn't think yeah. that this is what I wanted to do with my days no it's no. a
6: lot of jobs have a darker side like that yeah it's like a lot of people are like oh well you like medicine you like animals you should become a vet and yeah I'm like, well it sounds great on its surface but then you have to you know kill a bunch of people's pets when they get right. sick or old <laughs> right and i don't think i could handle that part of the job right exactly and it's not like you can become a vet and say no i'm a no euthanizing vet yeah but, you know you have to do it yeah you have could to you do imagine it. being a prosecuting attorney for
2: murder crimes, things like, and if you Uh, think, if you're the prosecuting attorney and you're thinking, I don't think this guy did it, but you have to go put it forth and then to be the defense and think,
6: oh God, this guy's guilty as hell and I'm going to go try to get him out of this. That's the thing is American law feels more like, you know, I want my side to win rather than I want justice to, you know, be doled out.
3: It does feel like that. Mm-hmm.
6: Well, we've had uh, doing true crime shows
2: for 10 years. We've talked about some cases. Uh, Tommy Lynn Sells comes to mind. This guy was heinous, murdered left and right. And when he was talking to the author of the, of the book about him, he actually admitted, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. As a matter of fact, there's this broad in, in uh, Chicago sitting on death row for the murder of her kid. I'm the one that killed him. So could you imagine your uh... child dies... You're found guilty. Wow! You're in prison on death row. And this guy's over gloating about it. She ended up getting the woman exonerated and got her off. But he knew other cases. He's like, oh, (laughs) there's more than that sitting on death row for crimes I've committed. And he was put to death a week after our show. And I'm like, why would we not keep this scumbag alive to get other people off of Mm -hmm. death row? And they're like, but. We're going to get him for the crimes that he did commit. Right, but you're leaving good people I know, but how trustworthy
3: prison. is he? He, yeah. would, he
2: told the right story, and it proved to be true with one person. To me, that's worth keeping him around for a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. I think, you know, we could maybe take the people that are in jail for uh, having two joints in their pocket and let them out now. Yeah. And I, then we could have more room for idiots that want to tell us who, we, who they really killed.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: I just can't fathom and, and you're right, Andy, a lot of the laws break down to, I just win or lose Mm -hmm. it's not the prosecutor wants their
6: side to win the defense wants their side to win it doesn't matter and how many things they'll sidestep to
2: make sure that Mm -hmm. happens even in the face of glaring obvious information they'll just step away from that person then because Catherine was there she saw who really killed professor plum in the The library with the candlestick but mm, her story doesn't help us so let's not bring her in exactly that's insane to me Mm -hmm.
3: I know it, it just does seem to be a game, and it also just seems to be a money game.
2: Well, yeah, of course. A lot
3: of it is about how much money you have and what kind of representation you get.
2: Well, I've got you know my uh, my poor aunt. she's like a million and eight years old. She was working up until I think it was last year at KFC and the ceiling collapsed. Oh, Mom's on done that, too. <laughs>
3: yep. I've been a kid.
2: Fell on her. I've
3: been a chicken slinger.
2: And she, at, at, like, 80-some years old, mm. she was injured. Oh. It's a year and a half later. KFC's still fighting her on this. Yep. Fighting her. Yes. And the attorneys are <sighs> working to get her the deal, but by the time this thing's all said and done, yeah. she'll probably get her medical expenses covered, and the attorney's going to be filthy rich, and my 80-some-year-old my aunt probably will see five grand. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's not all injury attorneys, uh, you know, obviously out there. But I just watch how a lot of these things play out, and
3: I, I I understand it can be. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why. I mean, you've got it. You have to have a good attorney, mm-hmm. and you've got to pay them. Yeah. And these insurance companies and big corporations, they don't. You know, All they want is to pay the minimum amount out. That's right. all they care about, and they've got all the time in the world
2: yeah that's mm-hmm. yeah, crazy
3: it is crazy it's 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 just um it's odd to me that we haven't had any big changes they talk about tort reform and nothing ever gets done nothing ever gets because done nothing ever gets done because it
2: doesn't it doesn't Work in the favor of enough people, or they can't pin, which I always find weird, right? These bills get passed, and one bill's about uh, the use of hand sanitizer in schools now, but somewhere in there is about uh, you can't bring your duck to work. There's another, and it's like, how the hell do those two things even go
6: together? They call that pork barrel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically, you can attach a rider to anything. You can, you know, someone's making a bill that makes sense. It's like, you know, about the speed limit in residential zones or whatever. And you can just staple whatever the hell you want to it. Sundays, nobody can wear polka dots. Exactly. So they just, they're like, oh, yeah, residential speed limits. That makes sense. Let's pass it. And then all the other, the pork passes too because people don't even read that part they don't know it's there well
3: the pork is there because that's what politicians do well of course they try to get a, a, just a little bit more money for my mm-hmm. guy and then i look like the shining you know yep. politician and then i'll get reelected, and then i can stay in office for 50 years attaching
6: an unpopular pet <laughs> issue to a popular real issue is a huge problem in, in american law Well,
3: and they don't even read it
6: no, I mean half most the time of these don't people don't
3: even read it. Look, Nancy Pelosi, what was the big bill that she said don't sign it? Oh, Obamacare. <clears throat> yeah. Which was really great for some people mm-hmm. and really devastated a whole ton of people. I mean, it was like you they didn't she said don't even read it. Just sign it. Yep. And so they it. did. And it's like, this is what we do yeah. in politics. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, there's all kinds of goofy things about not being able to eat chicken with a fork. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. MinnesotaFunFacts.com <laughs> has put together a list of dumb laws and strange laws still on the books. Uh, a person may not cross state lines with a duck atop his head. So, Andy, I'm sorry. Your weekend plans are over. No, crossing now, state lines with ducks on your forehead. Are, were they just any like, state
6: lines or just specific
0: says, state lines? A
2: cute thought, but there uh, just aren't any Minnesota state laws that restrict anything like this. Go ahead and wear a duck on your head as often as you'd like, it says. State laws limiting nursing homes and senior centers to two days of bingo a week. There's no third day oh, of bingo. Oh, God, you
3: can't give those people three days. No.
2: When, <laughs> there is don't stand in a roadway if you're looking for business or a ride.
3: Well, that makes sense. Oh, I, so hitchhiking.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Which, I mean, people do get hit by cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The land of 10,000 lakes declares mosquitoes are a public nuisance. Glad that we had to put that in the law books. Oh, wow. I think we just all knew Captain that. But somebody, right? Somebody got <laughs> somebody a lot of lobby money behind them to do that. But you know what? You pass that then, once that's on the books, well, now we can get governmental contracts for the mosquito yeah, repellent there DDT, we go. right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is
2: illegal to stand <laughs> around any building without a good reason to be there. We loitering, call that loitering <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I yeah. think
3: they've removed those. Yeah, that, that <laughs> original re-
2: law was repealed in 2005. The new law for loitering states a person found in or loitering near any structure, vehicle, or private grounds who is there without the consent of the owner and is unable to account for his presence.
3: Well, that's definitely something that has been ignored 100 yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: I remember the time, like, we couldn't hang out at the mall growing up. We would go mall walk for cruising chicks when we were teenage boys, right? But the laws were.
3: Cruising chicks. chicks. It was
2: 1983 <gasps> through 86, okay? We talked differently. We were cruising, we were cruising Cruisin for chicks. chicks. And uh, <laughs> the malls had set into place that you, if you were in the mall, you had to have a minimum of $10 with you. Well, so yeah. that you weren't just there walking yeah. around cruising chicks. So uh-huh.
3: Well, and now that's, you know, yeah. some, some of the malls are where they are getting kids and abducting oh, them. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah.
2: yeah. Citizens, maybe, maybe that's a good law. Citizens may not enter Wisconsin with a chicken on top of their heads.
3: Oh, there
1: goes my Okay, Winter so somebody War was drug. drunk.
3: This was a drunk yeah. assembly <laughs> or a convention. And they let's were like, see what let's, kind of yeah. stuff
1: we can get past. <laughs> exactly. All
2: bathtubs must have feet.
1: Oh, well, that is definitely illegal. not
2: being observed. Oh.
1: <laughs> what a weird
2: one. Who is the anal retentive guy on? that's like, I'm not settling for any bathtubs that sit on the floor? I mean, this uh, sounds crazy. <laughs> they need feet, damn it. <laughs> that's just so bizarre. <laughs> and you're right. Who's high enough to think? You know what I can't stand? Watching people from Minnesota walk into Wisconsin with a goddamn chicken on their head. <laughs>
3: I know. Who does that's, that? That's gotta
2: stop. Andy, we need to work together on this bill.
3: You know, it's probably it probably before. was like a high school thing that they irritated some other high school and mm-hmm. a fight broke out, so they decided to make a law. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. it's probably something that stupid. It would make
1: more sense if it like Wisconsin into Minnesota not to be able to wear cheese on your head because that, you know <laughs> it really is
3: annoying. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? I just
1: why you got a big chunk of cheese on your head? Go away.
2: You're a packer uh, Let's see. Uh, a blue earth Minnesota law declares that no child under the age of 12 may talk over the telephone unless monitored by a parent.
3: Ooh, I like that How one. How do let's we sign bring that, that one across out. the country? Can we also have one where the kids don't start screeching the minute you get on the phone? Oh, God! That would be a good one. It's against the law. You're breaking right. the law. <laughs> breaking
2: Funny. Going to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> A woman is not allowed to cut her own hair without her husband's permission.
3: Oh, I really I do don't do like it. that one. <laughs> I do
1: it all the time. Uh, I without think her we husband's permission. Look at that being no, no. Put
2: back in. Wow.
1: I haven't cut my hair in a while, actually. I need one. I need a haircut. It's
2: what Every guy I know, the one thing, they're like, you know what? I married her. I loved her long hair. Within a month, she cut it short. Every guy I know is complained to me about that. They're like, I don't know. Why is it the minute they get married, they cut their hair to shoulder length? That is true, I like isn't it? like long hair. It's crazy. they don't mm. want to
3: deal with it.
1: I know. It's a pain to deal with it. It That's
2: is. Why I oh, my so hair so hair. you allure <laughs> us in with your long, flowing locks. And then... I
3: still have long, flowing locks for you,
1: honey. <laughs> Thank
2: you, baby. I appreciate it. I uh, just read,
3: uh, what's the one with the... Rapunzel. Yes. Uh-huh. To the kids yesterday. The Stabbington Brothers is all... it's. it's does anybody remember any of this? No. The
6: Stabbington Rapunzel? Brothers?
3: Yeah, and that she was actually a princess that was stolen. Was right. that all true? Okay. Right, and that mm-hmm. there were I
2: multiple don't... people that tried to get up oh, there.
6: the Stabbington Brothers were in uh, Tangled. Which oh, is the, okay. Yeah. So this They're not made... from Rapunzel. They're from Tangled. Oh,
3: okay, so this was like a Disney Disney's Rapunzel. Disney's version. Uh, yeah. Oh,
6: okay. I going to okay, say, that right. does not sound like something that would have been written in, 18th century Germany. And know, I didn't know that her hair, Germany. her
3: hair, <laughs> her hair, um... But
6: it glowed. Yeah, that's all from Tangled.
3: That's all Tangled. Yes, ah, you read okay. the Tangled book. All right. Yeah. I was like, I don't know this, this story at all. You need the more wholesome,
2: pure version where she was raped repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Those are all the original stories, like Sleeping Beauty. The guardsmen used to take turns on her while she was uh, in her coma state. What? But yes. I kid you not. Yeah, they're
6: very dark. Yeah, they're
2: They're called the Grimm Brothers um, for for a reason. Yeah, they're very dark. All those old stories
6: were like, and then the dashing prince raped the princess, and then he got bit, and he puked out all his organs and died. It's like, (laughs) why are you writing this? They're all horrible like that. That's why Disney
1: had to alter it just a bit for kids. In the Little (laughs) Mermaid, uh, Ariel. I mean, much better.
6: I I don't think she actually sold her voice to Ursula, but there was it's. based on a similar story, but yeah, at the end of The Little Mermaid, uh, she gets cursed and she dissolves into sea foam. <laughs> sea
3: foam. no Yep. Hmm. yep. Oh. There were no
6: good endings back then. Right.
3: No. Well, I guess I like the Disney version. Yeah, a lot Disney, a little yeah. better. Well, I mean
6: if you think about it, back in, you know, seventeenth, eighteenth, whatever century Europe, a lot oh, of it was horrible the Can people were very, like very against any sort of sorcery or witchcraft. And all of these Disney movies involve some sort of magic, which back then, magic was considered evil. So the moral of the story was dabble in magic and you're going to get, you know.
1: Turned into sea foam. Yeah,
6: exactly. You're going to (laughs) dissolve and die. It's not good. But now it's like, oh, magic is good. Magic is fun. Mm -hmm. So let's change these stories a little bit. Wow, I didn't We've know that. We've whitewashed
2: that's... magic for far too long, Andy. It's time to clean it up and bring it back to its majesty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or
6: its reverse majesty.
2: All men driving motorcycles must wear shirts.
3: Yeah, I. you okay. know, I, thank you for that one. Yeah, yeah. And, yes. I, I, I and I'm all for longer bathing suits at the beach, too. Yeah. <laughs> that, too, yeah. <laughs> You why, know. come on, Catherine? We're going
2: to go down and have a heebie-jeebie
3: time at the but beach. A lot of them could wear a shirt. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Matter of fact, some should just stay home. All yeah. Together. just yeah. why
3: are why are you at the beach with That's this right. body?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you stare at me when you said that? That's hurtful. A law that makes it legal for a farmer to sleep with his pigs, cows, horses, goats, and chickens.
1: It would be far more
2: likely to have a law that prohibits this. (laughs) There is no state law in Minnesota that even mentions the word farmer or farmers and sleep. I think they mean it, you know, sexually. Well, yeah, I
6: mean. Oh. They probably didn't call it sleep with back when that was passed, if it was passed. Yeah. Well, they probably did
2: because they were using the, uh, that was the more familiar, uh, less sleazy sound, right? Well, I assume. Sleeping together. A
6: a law like this, that I would have assumed would have been passed like 200 years ago. And they don't I don't think that slang existed back then. They probably had some, you know,
2: medieval word for it. Every <laughs> man in Brainerd, Minnesota is required by law to grow a beard.
6: Mm. Oh. In honor and a of bird choppers.
2: Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that in honor of uh
6: I don't know. Oh, what's his Bunion? name? Paul Bunyan. Paul Bun- could be. Oh, it could be. I was yeah. going
1: to say, Babe the Blue Ox. I'm like, no,
6: he ain't. No, well, he be probably had hair on his chinny chin chin. <laughs> Being an ox and all. Now,
2: Catherine, I need you to make sure that you adhere to this next law. Okay. No person shall throw an abandoned hoop skirt into any street or sidewalk under penalty of a $5 fine for each offense.
6: Five dollars. Come to those
3: hoop skirts, girls. <laughs> Try like, how to keep how those many hoop scots, were, <laughs> Hoop skirts forever. Hey,
6: what do you think is it
2: literally like girls are just walking on the road like, ah, "Finally, I'm done." And they're like yanking them off and just throwing. Finally, them.
6: fashion's have changed. <laughs> yes. Well, you
1: know, there are some clothing that is very uncomfortable. So when you get home and you strip it off, it's so relieving. Uh, that is true. Hoop
6: skirts I can't even imagine.
1: And then you have like the petticoat on that and it's probably mm-hmm. hot. I don't and even itchy.
3: understand how they didn't just pass out. All the time. He had a girl. I think time. they did. That's why
6: they called it a fainting couch. Yeah, you I, had what I don't
3: just...
2: know
6: the Wild West, they would wear
2: 15 layers and yep. leather jackets, mm-hmm. hats. It's 9 million degrees under the sun. I don't know. How is that helpful?
1: I don't know. And they did not bathe every day either.
2: Yeah. They I understand bathe that. They like once rank. a week if <laughs> that.
1: And they would have to share <laughs> yeah. bath
3: water.
2: So. Oh, God.
1: I would go visit
2: my aunt that we mentioned earlier. Uh, they're very good Polish people in downtown Chicago. That's where they live for a big portion of their lives. And I would go stay there for a week every summer to hang out with my cousins. Mm-hmm. I would avoid the bath like the plague mm-hmm. because I was the youngest. Oh. oh, So my my cousin Barbara got to bathe first, then my cousin Joe, then my cousin Kenneth, Gross. and then they wanted me to bathe. I'm like,
3: okay, how much does water actually cost
2: uh, <laughs> to right. fill up a tub? Uh, well, this was... Polish people in downtown Chicago, you know, through this, they were very, uh, yeah, money cheap. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the right word. Food <laughs> I was looking for it. <laughs> cheap fits though. Uh, so I literally, somebody broke open a, a fire hydrant every day in that area. Oh, good. So I would literally go uh, out and yeah. wash up in the. I, there was like no in it. The water was just disgusting. Because no, we're not running around playing in a parts so that yeah. we had to take baths. So, no, <laughs> I'm going to yes. go out and hit the fire hydrant. <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't blame you. That's yeah. really gross. Mm-hmm. All yes. right,
2: it's illegal to paint a sparrow with the intent of selling it as a parakeet somebody must have bitter. been running
3: a big old scam
2: yeah. <laughs> the old sparrow for a parakeet trick okay, I, okay so if
3: you looked at a sparrow that was painted would you say this looks just like a parakeet you think you would, completely
2: completely you, would you
3: think that it's
2: painted maybe, maybe <laughs> it was one of those kind of things where the underclass people didn't really know yeah, what, a, probably. what a parakeet looked like but they mm-hmm. wanted to have one for but some form like, of
6: Dumb. <laughs> they I don't, don't have
2: you one. met people? Well. <laughs> people are kind of dumb. <laughs> I mean, this could point. be
6: before you know color illustrations in books. Yes. Yeah.
2: Oh. All
6: okay. they had to go on was some pencil drawing on an old piece of paper. (laughs) There's a
2: book out that we just got for our son, Jack. He loves birding and it's like the (laughs) North American idiot book hand guide. Mm -hmm. And in one of it, he's like, he mentions this bird and it's every name is just filthy. Right. But he, he names this (laughs) bird and he's taking real birds, but then just turning the name around and he goes, this little fucker wouldn't stand still. So you'll have to deal with me just taking of drawing him because he couldn't get a (laughs) photograph of it. So he's sketching (laughs) him out and just goofy, funny stuff. Um, it shall be the duty of any policeman or any other officer to enforce the provisions of this section. And if any cat is found running at large, or which is found in the street, alley, or public place, it shall be the duty of any policeman or other officer to kill such a cat. That's from Hibbing.
1: Was that before mm. shelters? Maybe. <laughs> oh, Hibbing.
6: Oh, Hibbing. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, we yeah. get it. Yep, Hibbing.
3: Yeah, Hibbing.
6: <laughs> no, a lot of environmentalists. <clears throat> Think that now because birds kill or cats kill a lot of birds.
3: Let's put a bell on their neck.
6: A lot of people are like, they think that cats like either keep it inside or it's considered a pest. In Duluth, it's illegal to allow animals to sleep in a bakery. I would imagine so. Well, now they can't even go in a bakery. What
3: about a hairless dog?
6: Yeah. (laughs) There you go. It is also illegal to tease skunks. Like, oh, I yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: don't want to hurt their it's feelings. It's just stupid
6: to tease skunks is what it is. How about this?
2: Red cars cannot drive down Lake Street in Minneapolis.
3: Red
1: cars? No
2: car? red cars.
3: Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no person may be charged with or convicted of the offense of drunkenness or public drunkenness. Is this hipping? This one is actually true. As of 2010, Minnesota statute 340 uh, a point nine zero two titled drunkenness not a crime states that no person may be charged with or convicted of the offense of drunkenness or public drunkenness so So you could be a drunk driver
6: drunkenness is is legal now
2: yeah so you could be drunk and not get arrested where was this Uh, is this a minnesota law it's minnesota statute yeah it's actually true as of 2010 that's what this says so has
3: anybody gotten off of a DUI by (laughs) stating call
2: dave schrader defense attorney (laughs) law now that i know that one law here that's all i'm going to specialize in hamburgers may not be eaten on sundays that's in st cloud there is a 10 cent bounty for each rat's head brought into a town office well that one i can see mm -hmm.
3: yeah i remember back when we were living on the farm in dayton Mm -hmm. we had these horrible little beasts called pocket gophers yes we did (laughs) and they they would just they would just destroy a pasture in no time and i remember trying to find somebody to help me get rid of these monsters and there was still there may still be if you chop off their little feet and bring them somewhere Mm -hmm. somebody gives you a bounty
2: See, wow. Are we sure? Because I, I, this sounds a lot like the, uh, the Tootsie Roll Pop rapper that if you find the one with the little Indian boy mm. shooting at a star, you get a free lollipop. That's I what it sounds like to me. Lollipop. I don't
3: know. Look up Bounty for Pocket Gover Feet. Well, that
2: actually reminds me of something, <laughs> something of I never and... thought I'd look up when law enforcement <laughs> yeah. comes to my house to look through my deal. Bounty for Pocket Gover Feet. What the hell is this Schrader guy into?
6: Well, something actually very similar happened. I think it was in India. I'm going to get some of the specific details wrong i'm sure but so basically this area in india was having a big problem with snakes so they said anyone who brings in a dead snake gets however many denarii or whatever that Uh is um so people started bringing in these dead snakes and getting paid and what happened was people started breeding snakes so they could kill them bring them in and get paid for them (laughs)
3: So and so, so the local government it's...
6: said, "Oh, well, if you're going to do that, then we're just going to get rid of the bounty." So all these snake breeders just released the snakes into the wild, and they were left with more snakes than they began with.
2: Oh. It's the circle yeah. of life. <laughs> wow. It's the circle
6: of law. What the <laughs> hell? So you have to you have to be very careful about bounties for pests like that because people can just breed pests and then. I don't bring really them in. think you could keep a pocket gopher in your. House. You know, <laughs> I don't think was. that would
3: Sounds work. Sounds cute though. Sounds like a challenge no, to my they're children. They're terrible
6: beasts. They love to eat <laughs> wires, roots, anything they and can they're, chew. They're chew. Bi-
3: I actually trapped one once. Oh no. It was gigantic. <laughs> and I was trying to beat it to death with a shovel. Oh,
2: that's law number seven. No beating a <laughs> pocket I'm for whacking with the thing
3: over the head and I'm going, oh my god! Whack! <laughs> oh, this so, so gross! Whack! Whack! Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 It was the worst experience of my life.
2: (laughs) So gross. Uh, Who do we have, Richard Carpenter tomorrow? Um, Yes. We sure do. do. Yeah, Richard Carpenter's on the show tomorrow. Tom will be back next week on the podcast. He's back to work on the morning show, so make sure you check that out. Thank you guys for allowing me to sit in again with you today.
3: Well, thank you for showing up and doing Mm the show. You got
2: it. We'll be back again tomorrow right here on The Family.